at talking ACC sports. The podcast moderator is Matthew, and you can follow him at ASD underscore Hokey Smash. Uh, it looks like we have everyone online and ready to go. So I'm going to turn it over to Matthew as he introduces our guest. Great. We have a special guest this week in John Kerry. John attended Florida State for undergraduate education, though he transferred to the University of Akron in Ohio as a sophomore before returning to law school at Florida State University. He currently works as an attorney in Jacksonville, Florida. You can follow John on Twitter at, at CFB what not to wear. And I'll repeat that at C-F-B-W-H-A-T-N-O-T, the number two, and W-E-A-R. John, welcome back, friend. Before we start talking here about Florida State football, because that's what we're here for. Every t- every have you come back here every May, June, and you know, you come back here in April, you come here in May, you've come here in June. You're an early addition this year, John, because we think Florida State is one of the favorites in the ACC. And for football, but before we get to the good stuff here for for 2023 Florida State football, John, tell us about yourself. The floor is yours. Thank you for joining. Hey guys, thanks a lot for having me once again. Um, can you hear me okay? Can't, we can't hear you at all, John. We can't hear you, John. Are you ta- uh, Do you uh, have? Uh, you may have to turn the volume up. You may have to, but we can. You may have to not use a mic. You may have to use the speaker, but we. You know, talk just directly into the phone, but we can't. Can you hear me now? Uh-oh. Uh, yeah, we can barely hear you, John. Okay, um, trying to figure out what I can do to improve the sound quality here. Um, let me put on the speaker and see if that works. The one thing you can do, John, I think, is not use a microphone. Turn up the volume on your phone and talk into talk into the receiver. No, you must be in a, are you in a basement or in a dungeon? <laughs> no, I'm in my bedroom. Um, let me, let's see, what, what can I do here? I'm looking at the screen trying to figure this out, guys. I'm so sorry. Are you talking into the, are you talking to your computer, John, or are you talking into your phone? Oh, I'm talking straight into my phone. I've got it an inch from my mouth. Have you got the volume turned all the way up? You may have to. You may. <laughs> you may have to elevate your voice. Okay. Can you hear me better? <laughs> That's a little better. Okay. Man, I'm sorry about this, guys. Do you want to keep going, or do you want to start over? Keep going. Okay. Yeah, I think we can hear you reasonably uh, okay. well now. All right. Well, hey, uh, I'm actually down in uh, Central Florida uh, now. I'm working in beautiful Melbourne, uh, living in Indian Atlantic, so. Um, and you know, still following Florida State sports, obviously, and uh, looking forward to this football season. I'm sure you can imagine. What's that? What's that? What I missed? What you said, Jim? What'd you say? I said I'm looking forward to this football season, as I'm sure you can imagine. 
I know you are, man. I know you are, man. Before we get to football, man, I want to get your quick thoughts on FSU's 22-23 men's basketball season, John. And where you think the Seminole, where you think the Seminoles are headed? I know, you know, I know, you know, Mr. Hamilton certainly deserves the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I, I some of us wonder how the Seminoles are going to be when he's when you know when he leave, when he when he decides to retire. But we're wondering we're wondering where the patience is with the fans, that sort of thing, with the pro- with the progress of the program. The four is yours, John. Some people, including uh, Dick Vitale and including, uh, you know, at least one prominent computer simulation, picked to win the national championship. I mean, that was only three years ago. And now uh, this is a team that looks like it's um, it, it's got no upside at this point. And, and so you wonder, you know, as you guys know, I've been around the block with uh, Coach Ham for a long time. I've always been a defender of his. Um, when he's gone through slumps before, I've always said, nope, you know, he's the guy. He, he's the guy we got to stick with. And now, you know, I'm beginning to wonder if it's over for him here. Uh, you know, he certainly has earned the benefit of uh, another season, maybe another couple seasons. But, um, it, you know, it, it, I'm wondering if, if he's going to be able to turn things around this time or if, if uh, you know, we need to start thinking about um, moving on at some point soon. And it saddens me to say that because Ham's been so great for this program. Uh, he turned Florida State basketball from an absolute nothing program into a national power. But, you know, I, I'm I'm just not confident with what I see right now in the program. There's, there's no identity. Um, you know, even when Florida State wasn't a very good team, you still had that defensive identity that – you know, they tried hard and, and they really could D up even if they couldn't score. And, and right now it's just a team with no identity, uh, no real talent. And, you know, it, it's hard to see this getting turned around. And I hope he does because I've been a big fan of Coach Ham's for as long as he, he's been here. And I hope he can uh, turn it around. But it's not looking good for the FSU basketball team right now, is it? It's not, you know, it's not looking that great. And John, we can hear you a little bit, a little better now. You're amplifying a little better here, so I think we we can hear. I want to make sure you know that we can, we can hear you a little better. So I'm just going to ask you one little follow up here. Who's on your wish list for coaches? Do you have one or two in mind? Man, I, I know I'm going to get. You guys are probably going to hammer me for saying this. Um, I I've loved Chris Beard ever since. I first became aware of him. I know he had that incident that ended his uh, job in Austin. Um, He got snatched up by Ole Miss. And, you know, if he can rehabilitate himself there, uh, you know, that's a guy I would say absolutely if we could get him. um, I think he'd be a great coach for this program, uh, and he'd really be able to put us back on the map. Um, You know, he's my uh, number one coach that I would like to target. Um, and, uh, you, you know, there, there's another guy, and it slipped my mind to <laughs> who my other guy was at the moment. Um, but Chris Beard's definitely the one that I would look at and say, you know, if we could get him, we ought to try to go after him. And I, I realize 
you know, there's some downside to him and, and that doesn't come without some PR price. But, um, you know, I, I certainly don't think the incident is serious enough that he should be a friar who could never coach again. Well, he was clear to the incident. Let's just be clear about that. I want to make sure we're clear of that. That's the first thing. The second thing is that uh, Rick Pitino got, just got hired at St. John's. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I, I guess my, my question would be whether he would want to leave the money that he'd be getting in the SEC, and that's probably a topic for our, for our open microphone. But my, my, my what about Pat Kelsey? Have you thought about Pat Kelsey? Because I'm a huge fan of Pat Kelsey. I thought that was off the table, but now, I mean, I still think, you know, the money issues are, are a real issue that the ACC is going to need to work out, uh, but I still think that Florida State's a better job than Ole Miss. Fair enough. And, and you know, I, I think, I, I would hope at least, for a caliber coach of Chris Beard, I hope that we can at least match or, or slightly exceed what they're paying him. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Jeff, you're up, friend. All right. Thanks, Matthew. All right, John, let's turn our attention to football. And what are some of the major strengths coming back next year for the Florida State football team? And I think there's quite a few of them. Yeah, I mean, look, Florida State is on the national radar at this point because all the strengths are coming back. Not to say every single player is coming back. Obviously, you know, we lost Jamie Robinson to the NFL. He's probably going to be a first-round pick. That's a big hit in the defensive backfield. Um, and, you know, we, we lost a few guys to the transfer portal, which is kind of what happens now in 2023 in college football. You're not going to avoid that. But, you know, Bill Connolly uh, for ESPN, who's their, you know, advanced statistics guru over there, He's identified Florida State as the team in the entire country that has the most production coming back on uh, both sides of the ball, so combined for the whole team, which means that the team that went 10-3 and three last year beat the SEC West champion, beat Oklahoma, beat Florida. Um, they've got just about everybody coming back, including, obviously, and significantly, Jordan Travis, who is a guy that's being talked about as a potential Heisman candidate. Um, and so when you've got a quarterback that's coming in that at least as well as highly thought of enough that people are talking about him for a Heisman, you know, you've got a shot to do big things. All right, very good, John. Now let's go on the flip side. What are some of the major weaknesses uh, for the Seminoles? In other words, what do you think – the Knowles will be working on before the first game, what they've been working on in the spring, and, and what are the questions that you think have to be resolved to have a successful season? Uh, the first thing that jumps out at you is is you've had a disastrous run under Mike Norvell at kicker, which sounds like a trivial problem to have, but obviously it's not. You know, Kickers can win, win and lose ballgames, and we've had a, a series of great kickers at Florida State going back to Bobby Bowden and then Jimbo Fisher, where it seemed like just about every year 
you know, Florida State's kicker was one of the best in the country. And, um, you know, you go back to Sebastian Janikowski, um, uh, uh, Roberto Aguayo, et cetera. You know, just guys that uh, Rosa Award winners and guys that every time they went up there, you were like, yeah, this is this is good. He's going to make it. Didn't matter how far it was. Now we've got a pick kicker um, that, you know, we had to go to the transfer portal to find a new kicker. It's It's been pretty ugly under Mike Norvell. I hope he can get that figured out. I realize kicking's not really a, a big issue for coaches. They hire consultants for that sort of thing. Um, and But, you know, we just haven't had a good kicker, and, and, you know, that could come back to bite us at some point this season. The other uh, two positions or two uh, groups that I'm a little bit worried about our defensive backfield and linebacker. And, um, you know, we defensive backfield took a big hit last year when uh, in a in an unfortunately highly publicized incident, uh, Travis Hunter, the number one recruit in the entire country, according to ESPN, who had been solid Florida State for, uh, you know, years, flipped on signing day to sign with Jackson State when Dion was there. And, uh, you know, so we lost that. Uh, prize defensive back Sam McCall was another guy who is a highly rated recruit he's entered the transfer portal and as I said Robinson's going to the NFL people are projecting him as a potential first rounder uh, maybe second rounder so you know defensive backfield's an area to to look out for as a potential uh, downside and and, you know the the thing that really if you want to look at the defensive backfield and say this is a problem area go rewatch the Wake Forest game last year uh, you know, Sam Hartman absolutely picked them apart, and um, I think they scored 85 points and uh, would still be scoring if the clock um, was still running because uh, Florida State just couldn't stop him. And, and, you know, maybe that game was an anomaly, uh, but I, I tend to think it showed some real weaknesses. Now, the good thing is Florida State, through the transfer portal, the transfer portal uh, taketh and the transfer portal giveth. And... Mike Norvell's probably been one of the best coaches in the country as far as getting guys out of the transfer portal. And uh, Virginia cornerback uh, Ventrell Cypress, who's one of the biggest transfer portal prizes this year, um, huge get for Florida State. Hopefully he can go come in and lock down one side of the field um, and, you know, alleviate that concern. And linebacker, you know, it's not a huge problem area, but it's but we haven't really had any real superstars at linebacker in a while. It's been a solid group, but not spectacular. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I certainly hope that they can, uh, you know, we can look a little better at that position. Um, but, you know, all, all the other major position groups I feel pretty good about. Offensive line, you know, Ad- Coach Adkins has done an amazing job shoring up a, an offensive line that was probably the worst in the country while uh, Willie Taggart was coach. No talent, no cohesiveness, uh, no, you know, no production at all out of that group. Now it's one of the best uh, offensive line groups in the country, I think. And, um, you know, obviously there's a ton of offensive talent. Um, You know, again, we already talked about quarterback. We've got uh, some playmaking running backs, wide receivers, you know, guys that, Nobody that you're looking at that's all American quarter or all American caliber at those positions, but a lot of guys that are going to produce in big ways, and so, you know, offense should be really good uh, as usual. Uh, defensive line looks pretty solid. Um, 
Jared Burse is coming back, which is a huge get for Florida State because I think everybody thought he was going to be one and done. He had transferred to Florida State from Albany and uh, was eligible for the NFL draft this year. And, uh, you know, pretty much everybody thought if he had gone, he'd been the first round pick and he decided to come back. And, you know, reports are he just likes playing for for, uh, Florida State. He likes the coaching staff. He likes his teammates. And, you know, that's the biggest thing that we've seen over the past few years is a program that by the end of Coach Fisher's tenure and during the Willie Taggart tenure, there was just a lot of bad juju around the program. Um, nobody really liked each other. There wasn't a lot of trust in, in fellow players and the coaching staff. And, uh, you know, if, if there's one thing that Mo- Mike Norvell has done really well, it's building the program back from a culture standpoint. And, uh, you know, you can't underestimate how important that is. And I, I think that's the reason we're getting burst back for another year. So, you know, it's an exciting season coming up. And I, I don't want to get my hopes up too much that it'll be a, a really big season. But, you know, a 10-3 and three team last year is bringing just about everybody back. So, you know, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, that that sounds that sounds great. I mean, you get back verse, you got Jordan Travis back, who I mean, he's really turning into, you know, one of the best quarterbacks in the country and he's such a competitor. He's he's got that intangible that you know, he he's got that refuse to lose intangible that you can really see out there um you know, on the on the field of play. I mean, if you're going to beat Florida State, uh it you're going to it's going to take a tremendous effort on both sides of the ball because you know Jordan Travis is not going to be you know out there losing the game at the most important position and I I think between the two um yeah I mean it's you couldn't have asked for a better you know offseason just for the reasons you mentioned about Norvell building the culture you know getting players you know to want to be there elite players um you know things are looking good at Florida State and we're going to get more into that um, and, and speaking of, you know, recruits and transfer portal players, and you mentioned it already a little bit, you know, who are some of these uh, recruits and transfer players that have impressed you the most so far? Do you think any will get major playing time right away? Yeah, so there's there's a pair of players that uh, Florida State got out of South Carolina. Um, one is Jaheim Bell, who's a, a huge difference-making tight end. Um and that was a position of need, and I think um, we've got our guy with that uh, with that one based on you know what they saw at the spring game yesterday. Um, and then the other one is an edge rusher, uh, Gilbert Edmond, um, who, who's a big pickup from South Carolina. As I mentioned before, Fentrell Cyclos at cornerback fills a huge need for us. Um, Jeremiah Byers is a very experienced uh, offensive lineman coming in out of UTEP. Um, who really did well there. He's going to have to play at a higher level with uh, against higher caliber opponents, obviously, in the ACC than he was uh, at UTEP. But, you know, the size and strength he has, I think he should be able to do that. Um, and then um, the other one that jumps out at you is Braden Fisk, who's a guy that came in huge production at Western Michigan. Again, you know, he's going to be playing at a higher caliber of opponent here at Florida State. Um, but he's a defensive lineman uh, that we're really hoping can, you know, step in and, and get some playing time for us uh, in year one. 
Uh, there's obviously a few other ones. Uh, DeAndre Jones um, is an offensive lineman out of Auburn. Uh, you know, it's not – I don't think he's projected to start, but, you know, one of the things that Coach Adkins and Mike Norvell have done is really built some depth at offensive line, which uh, if you saw the program a few years ago, we desperately needed. And so, uh, you know, that's a big get. And then Casey Roddick out of Colorado, another offensive lineman. So they're really, uh, you know, stocking up on big bodies and, um, you know, guys that can do the dirty work up front, which is really important for Florida State because, you know, the Mike Norvell offense, you look at Jordan Travis and, and think about, you know, the, the passing game, but really this is a run first offense. And um, that starts with the offensive line. And, and I'm really excited about the group that, that coach Adkins has put together here at offensive line. And uh, you know, the, those running backs that we have uh, that are coming back, they're going to be able to eat, you know, there's a lot of returning production at running back and uh, you know, those guys are going to get some big numbers. So, uh, so those are some, certainly some, areas where we did a great job in the transfer portal. And, and you know, just to reemphasize, Mike Norvell has been probably better than just about any coach in the country at getting difference-making players out of the transfer portal. Um, to a certain extent, I think that may be at the expense of high school recruiting, which he hasn't done great at. Um, but, you know, this is the new world of college football, and I think you can't look at high school recruiting now as the be-all, end-all, because the transfer rules change, and we really have change the game as far as getting talent and uh, Mike Norvell's done that in this system obviously here in the ACC um, you know Dabo Sweeney's gone the complete opposite way he's basically not using the transfer portal at all and so you know that's the big matchup this year in the ACC is Clemson at Florida State or Florida State at Clemson I should say and you know we'll see which approach wins the day. All right, John. Um, do you think, and our next question here, do you think Florida State will be better than last year? Uh, why or why not? And then we're going to have a segment that we are going to do a little bit differently than we've done in years past. Uh, rather than go through uh, the entire schedule game by game, we want you to pick which two games would be the most important, most pivotal uh, games for Florida State this year, and then give us your overall uh, record that you think the Seminoles will have? So we were 10 and, 10 and 3 last year. So the question is, is it going to be a better team this year? I think the team will be better, you know, because you're returning so much production. You've got new uh, players that should be able to contribute. And, you know, whether that means a better record or not, um, well, I mean, that's the big question this year, isn't it? So, you, you know, let's look at the big games that will determine whether whether the season is a better season for FSU this year. Number one, the biggest difference maker is there's no more Atlantic or Coastal. So you're just looking at a top two finish to play in the ACC uh, championship game. You don't need to get past Clemson specifically um, if you're Florida State. You just need to be in the top two. So, you know, the big game that's going to set the tone for the entire season is LSU and Florida State go to Orlando to open the season. Obviously, last year they played in New Orleans. Florida State beat LSU. Uh, they beat them on a uh, last-second extra point block, if you recall. Uh, kind of bizarre game, the, the way it played out, but uh, Florida State won that game. 
they beat uh, an SEC team, a team that ended up going and winning the SEC West. And, you know, LSU is a team that I think is going to be on the rise with Brian Kelly. You know, say what you will about him. I know he's kind of a villain in the college football world, but the guy can coach. You know, there's no denying that. And, uh, you know, now last year was his first year at LSU. Now he's had a year to, um, you know, to do do things that he wants with that program as far as um, moving it in the direction and under his, um, you know, style. And so I think LSU is going to be an improved team. We'll see if that uh, remains true or not. Um, but obviously that game, you know, you win that game and people are going to start talking about Florida State in the playoff. You lose that game and you got to readjust your, your expectations and say, all right, well, you know, the goal now is to get to the ACC championship game. Forget about the playoff. If it works out, it works out. If it doesn't, um, you know, you're behind eight ball if you start 0-1. So that's obviously an enormous game. Um, the next one that you circle on the schedule is obviously at Clemson in, on September 23rd. Uh, you know, that's a game that I, I think if you're to look objectively at the ACC this year, most people would probably look at and say those are probably the two best teams. And, you know, you're playing pretty early in the season. Um, the team that wins that game obviously has an inside uh, track to the ACC championship game. The loser's got some work to do. Now, they could obviously both make it and, you know, have a, have a rematch in the ACC championship game. But you definitely want to be on the winning side of that one. And then, uh, you know, the, the other game, Florida State doesn't have the toughest schedule this year, if we're being honest. The other game that jumps out at me, just because of the way it played out last year, is the game at Wake Forest on October 28th. And I say that because Wake Forest offense absolutely dominated the FSU defense. Sam Hartman's gone. He's going to be the quarterback at Notre Dame. And so, you know, frankly, I don't know who's going to take his place. It may be that that this year's Wake Forest team without Hartman will be a, a shell of what they were last year. Um, but, you know, that, that style of play that Wake Forest uh, does so well obviously really bothered the FSU defense. And I'll be really curious to see if they're able to, um, you know, come in with some new defensive schemes to counteract that. Because last year, you know, that game more than any other was a disaster. Uh, you know, obviously the North Carolina State game, the second half offense lost that game because they couldn't score a single point in a game they should have easily won. Um, and then, you know, Clemson, they they lost, but they lost close. And it was definitely a game where you looked at and said Florida State and Clemson are on pretty even terms here. Um, that Wake Forest game was the one last year that you look at and say, scratch your head and say, you know, what exactly happened here? And what does that say about Florida State? And so I'm going to really look at that one and, and see how that goes because, you know, other than Clemson and LSU, that's probably the game on the schedule that worries me the most. Um, we'll see if it still does come October of, ne October of this fall. You know, I don't know if Wake Forest can maintain that kind of play without Hartman, um, who was obviously the perfect quarterback for that system that they run there. But um, they always seem to find somebody who can – you know, dink and dunk and throw for 500 yards despite not throwing the ball downfield. And so, um, you know, that'll be a game that that I've certainly looked at. And then obviously Florida State and – or excuse me, Miami and Florida are big games. They both are two weeks apart in November. Um, 
I think Florida State at this point is probably significantly better than both. So I don't look at either of those games as the big games that will tell you how the season goes. If you lose to either of those teams, it's probably, I think you would certainly say, a very disappointing season. All right, uh, John, thanks for going through the portion of that of this podcast. I'm going to turn it over to Matthew now as he has a couple more questions for you. I think I probably missed it, John, but what what was your overall record? Uh, Florida State was 10-3 and three last year, if that's what you're asking. Right. What are you going for this year? That's my question. <laughs> so if, if I'm going to give a prediction, I think yep. Florida State goes to the ACC championship game, and thus they're going to have 13 games, and I think you're looking at probably an 11-2 and two season. 11 and 2. So tell me, is that enough to get into the college football playoff? I doubt it this year with the 14 still. If we were, if we were in a scenario like we will be next year with 12, I would think so. Oh, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Okay. You never know, though. You know, uh, I mean, it's possible, but you know, by the time you lose that second game, you're really. Um, I mean, crazy things can happen. Crazy things can happen. In in a what's the crazy thing, John? There's a we always say there's a weekend in November that everybody thinks is pedestrian, and it and it just goes bat it just goes go, goes bat monster crazy. You right? So Florida State in November has at Pittsburgh, Miami at home, a throwaway game against North Alabama, and then Florida at Florida. So, you know, any of those three games are ones that if you don't come to your A game, you can potentially lose that game. Um, I'm also planning on going up to Pittsburgh for that Pittsburgh game. I've been to see Florida State at every single ACC stadium except for Pittsburgh. Uh, the only time we've played there since they've been in the league was the national championship year 2013 with Jameis, and I couldn't make it up uh, because of work commitments. So... I'm planning on going up to that one so I can round out all of the ACC stadiums, and um, hopefully I won't see a loss there in person. Very cool. You get to see the BC transfer quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm interested in Pitt this year, what they're going to look like. Obviously, they've uh, done a good job under Narduzzi, um, uh, but, you know, I, I don't know from year to year how easy it is going to be to maintain that kind of production, especially you know when you have guys like Kenny Pickett and then lose them to the NFL and have to kind of start over. I think I think I think Phil jerk of it. I think Phil's going to work pretty well up there. Yeah. Phil Jay's going to work out pretty well up there. It'll be a fun game to go to. It will be. It will be. That should be. It should be. It should be interesting because they always have seem to have some sort of a tough nosed offensive line, and he's a pretty big. He's a pretty big, big pro style quarterback. I mean, I think it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if it can handle the speed that Florida State has. That that'll be my biggest, biggest question. And then you know, Virginia Tech's coming down to Tallahassee on October seventh. Oh my gosh, that's going to be ugly. <laughs> yeah, going to be ugly. Unfortunately, that's moving in the wrong direction. It's going to be ugly. It's coming. It's going to probably take a couple of years to come out of the come out of the come out of the basement here. I'm not expecting anything big this year. 
So here we go. Give us the pulse of the Florida State program. Where, where are the Knowles bloggers fans thinking right now? Where do you think you're headed? What's, what's, what, what's up, John? What, what, what are people thinking right now? It seems like people are happy again. Yeah, I mean, you know, a 10-win a ten season will do that for you, obviously. Um, the, the program was in such a depth of despair, multiple years of not even being able to finish 500, go to a bowl game. The, you know, the end of the Jimbo tenure and the uh, Billy Taggart tenure at Florida State really, I think, brought a lot of malaise to the program. And then uh, to have it get back to this point where we're talking about um, 10 win seasons, potentially making the playoff, uh, you know, potentially going racing to the championship. I mean, obviously, people are pretty positive right now. All it takes is one bad season where you where you don't um, meet expectations to change that. But uh, right now, the pulse of the program is I think everybody's pretty excited. You look at Mike Novell and say, you know, this might be the guy. You know, he, he might be the hire that maybe wasn't the A plus hire when you got him, but looking back, he, you know, he's the guy that brings Florida State back. Um, you know, I don't know if he'll ever win a national championship. Obviously, there's a lot of things that have to happen to go right for that to happen. But, you know, if he can bring the program back to national relevance, that's that's pretty exciting. And I think, uh, you know, most of the blogosphere, most of the fan base um, is pretty positive right now on, on him and on the state of the program. And um, you know, hoping that he can um, be nationally relevant again. Yeah, a lot of people think that, the, uh, from my fanboys, the sarcastic ones think that Florida State maybe hired the smart one from Memphis. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's 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 what I'm hearing from my fan base, and and I I maybe I'm maybe I'm partly agreeing with that. It looked good though on paper. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it looked good on paper. Yeah, I mean, because everybody praised it. <laughs> everybody praised it. Yeah, here we go, man. Open microphone time, John. What do you got for us? The floor is yours. school ranks you'd follow him for four years you know maybe he'd be worth the hype maybe he'd be a disappointment but you know you generally knew who was going to be there uh from year to year and now it's like you have no idea players that you thought were doing well and um and were successful you know inexplicably hit the transfer portal and you're like you know what's going on here he was getting a lot of playing time he was doing well you know this isn't a case of a guy who um, you know, was looking at greener pastures elsewhere. So what's really going on? And, and you know, I, I don't want to be too negative because I, I still enjoy college football, but it's harder to follow the off-season comings and goings because there's so much going on. 
you know, it's it's hard enough to follow your own team. I can't imagine, you know, being you guys and having to follow 14 teams every year and, and try to figure out, you know, who's going to be good from one year to the next because, uh, you know, with all the roster turnover, you know, it, it's just really tough. And so, you know, kudos to you guys for doing a good job of covering the entire conference. I, I wouldn't be able to do it, <laughs> but, um, you know, it, 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 it's a little bit disappointing, I think, the direction of college football um, for that reason. And also, you know, as an ACC fan, we're, we're going to have to keep banging this drum because we're falling farther and farther behind in the money game. And, you know, money's not everything, but it's not nothing either. And, you know, when you're looking at just on the TV contracts, you know, being $20 million every year down compared to the SEC and Big Ten, you know, that's a lot of money that they're spending that you don't have to spend. And, and, you know, we talked at the beginning of the show about Chris Beard and, you know, well, can can Florida State afford to get him from Ole Miss? And that's that's a legitimate question that I don't know if I can answer. You know, if he was interested in coming, could we pony up the bucks that it would take to hire away a coach from the SEC or from the Big Ten? And, you know, as ACC fans, I think we, we do need – there is reason to be concerned about that because we got locked into a deal that I think we had to make when we made it, but it's going to be kind of an albatross going forward with the big money that they're printing in the SEC and the the Big Ten. And, you know, how, how do we compete with that? Is this becoming a, a sport that there that's really going to be two major conferences and then the second tier of conferences, you know, being the ACC and Big 12? And, you know, when when's the next time that a non-SEC and Big Ten team is going to be able to win a national championship? You know, it's it's uh, it's looking kind of bleak out there. And just curious if you guys have the same concerns as I do. John, absolutely. I think we've been blogging about this and talking about this ad nauseum. <laughs> on our site and i mean <laughs> you know I'm, I'm chuckling a little bit john because we have this we have this game that jeff and i play each week where we say where's jim phillips where's jim phillips that you know the commissioner because he's been pretty quiet about all of that i wrote a blog post quite a while ago about and I, and I think you'll like this, John, as a, as a historian of the ACC. A Virginia Tech student in 1985 wrote his dissertation about how the ACC should use the, I'm chuckling a little bit, should use the tools of strategic planning when developing the conference's future. <laughs> and I'm thinking... <laughs> It's hard for me not to chuckle a little bit because I want to I want to I want to send a copy of the dissertation to Jim Phillips and ask him about the status of the recommendations. <laughs> and I mean and I'm shocked that somebody from Virginia, from Virginia Tech wrote about it in 1985. Right. But they did. And uh, I mean I don't know what else we can really say about it. Je I mean, Jeff had a post about it, but yeah, it was nice to bring Comcast in the fold. And, you know, he's the Jim Phillips certainly is to be commended for that. But 
it doesn't appear, I mean, it, it appears that they were caught flat, flat-footed by Oklahoma's and Texas's move to the SEC. And, you know, it's just, it's, um, there, there doesn't really appear to be any, any movement on, on that, on that, fr- on that front. And Jeff, would you like to talk about this? Cause I know that you've written and talked, talked about it a lot, but it seems like we, we talk about it ad, ad nauseum, and I think that the commissioner probably should be on the clock now. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with you both. I mean, there's there's not a person who is a fan of an ACC school or has anything to do with the the ACC in any capacity that that isn't thinking about you know revenue and something you know, what needs to be done, can anything be, be done? And I think you hit the nail on the head, Matthew, um, you know, what is Jim, Jim Phillips doing? And, you know, he just got a three year extension and, you know, you should be able to say, Hey, that's a good thing. Um, you know, you've got continuity at the, the commissioner and, you know, it could have very potentially been a bad look if he's, moving on to a new position. Oh, the, the, the leader of the conference is jumping ship. But I mean, we can't definitively say if this is a good thing uh, for the ACC because we just, we haven't heard anything from him. Um, you know, it's not that there haven't been a few minor successes. You know, he did get the full distribution of the ACC network with, with Comtast. That's definitely going to add revenue. Um, but that was like one of the bare minimum things he had to get done. Um, you know, there were a couple of other, you know, smaller successes like moving the ACC uh, baseball postseason, women's college basketball and softball off the regional networks and to be fully on the ACC network. I mean, those were things that that people wanted and and have improved it. But, you know, from that big picture, you know, since the, the Comcast announcement, you know, we've been looking really since the summertime when 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 the, that USC-UCLA announcement to the Big Ten came, and we just, we haven't heard anything. And then you hear, and, and to their credit, this is exactly what they should be doing, the, the Florida State AD talking about unequal revenue distribution. He's trying to protect Florida State's what he should be doing. Clemson AD, a couple of other ADs have talked about it too. And I mean, we haven't heard anything from, from the commissioner really on that either. Um, you know, it, it, these days it's a PR battle out there. I mean, you see the PAC 12 is getting pounded every week. Um, even though they're probably going to get a deal signed together, but I mean, they're taking hits left and right you know, publicly, the Big 12, you know, they're, they're really not in a great position. You know, let's be honest. I mean, but they're winning the PR battle because it sounds like they're in a position of strength. But, I mean, the reality is, I mean, they've been picked apart left and right, um, you know, since 2010 of all their brands. But they have done an excellent job of PR. So it seems like they're in a better position uh, than the Pac-12, even though they'll probably make about the same, same with the ACC. And that's that's a kind of a big deal. You know, the PR battle, they're always front and center, sounding like, you know, they're right behind the SEC and Big Ten, even though we know that they're not. They're way behind. And if 
you know, come come the future, if if a Kansas or Oklahoma State becomes one day desirable to one of those two conferences, they'll be picked apart just like they have been for the last 15 years. But they've done a good job with their PR. You have to give them credit. And, and next to the Pac-12, you know, the ACC has done a, a poor job of that. And I think that's what Matt was talking about. Matthew was talking about, you know, the communication of the of the you know, from coming from the commissioner, he's, you know, what is your plan? You know, you've hired consultants left and right. What what are they doing? You know, why can't you release any of that to the fans? I mean, number one, number two, you know, his top 15 priorities should be one thing, should be revenue, revenue, revenue. And, you know, we're just, we're just waiting. We're waiting for something from, from the commissioner's office. So we hopefully with this extension, Maybe there is some confidence from from the schools that he's doing something. We we can only hope because we don't know. Nothing ever comes out of the offices regarding that. Hey, can I also throw something else out there, guys, real quick? What's that? We I'm sorry, Joe. We can't. Can you speak up a little? Can I throw, can I throw one other thing out there? Real quick? Sure, sure. <laughs> yes. I, I don't have anything against Virginia, but if you're running the ACC network and you want to bring eyeballs to the network and you want to grow that network, put a valuable piece of real estate on the television dial, how do you come up with that as, as your as your brand? Why why wouldn't you do everything you can to make all of these spring games live, or at least on replay, and you know, even if that means some schools play on Thursday, Friday, you have different weeks. You know, where, uh, you know one team, team, five teams does it one week. You know, eight does it the other week or whatever. I mean, how can you not be trying to get those games on your channel? And if you can only do one, how on earth would you pick Virginia and not Clemson or Florida State or, or one of the big brands? I mean. Who's running this conference? And I don't know if, if the TV, the ACC network is being run exclusively by ESPN or if the ACC has a say in it or what. But that kind of thing really frustrates me. That there doesn't seem to be any foresight in, in how we're approaching these kind of things. Fair enough. I, I think, I think my, if I had to guess, they probably picked Virginia because of what you know what happened last last fall last uh, last towards the end of november with the shooting i think that's probably probably i guess that's probably why they why, why they probably did that but i think at the same time john i agree with you they should have had a lot more of the games on the dial and you're absolutely right they they could have had these things on successive weeks i know not every acc team has their has their game this weekend, right? I mean, I know Virginia Tech did. And, you know, and I'm sure it was Florida State this weekend, John? Yeah, it was yesterday. It yeah. Was the ACC right, right, <laughs> right, right. And so, I mean, my, my, you know, my sense is that that's absolutely the case. They could have had the, and they could have had these things on other weekends too. They could have had some on the third, on the ninth, some on the, on the 23rd, you know, that sort of thing. 
or not the not, not the ninth. Excuse me, the eighth, the eighth, and the eighth, and the in the twenty second. That's that sort of thing. They could have just flipped these things around. So I'm absolutely agree with you, and I'm on board one hundred percent. One on board one hundred percent on that. They shouldn't necessarily have that as an ESPN three or watch ACC net. You know, on the internet sort of streaming option when you have a network, you have to take full advantage of those resources. I, I do have a quick comment on, on this. Um, you know, I, I definitely agree with you guys. I, I do think that they should have used the ACC. You, know, you should have utilized the ACC network more on this. And I wrote a blog article about this kind of, kind of hammering the ACC network for not, you know, televising more of the games. And, and I hate being one of these, you know, bloggers that do this. Um, so you know how rarely we we do it, you know. Okay, believe it or, or not, I'll just I'll just say that I'm not I'm not going to be one of those guys that say, hey, I, you know, this is this is what I heard. But we I did actually when I wrote that article, someone reached out to me from the ACC network um, that works at the ACC network to to ask me about that article, and they said the reason that they did this, it, it was not just an ACC network issue was it was an espn uh also doing the same thing with the sec network and the sec games and if you look at the television schedule uh they did do the same thing with the sec they did not have hardly any i think they had georgia as one of their games too but they didn't have most of the sec spring games televised either they put them on their streaming platforms and they said they wanted to do this to make more fans uh, comfortable using the streaming networks because, you know, in the future, there's going to be more football games uh, on the streaming services. Are you telling me cable's uh, okay. dying, Jeff? Pardon? I said, are you telling me cable is dying? Is that what you're telling me? I think that, that the cable of dying is definitely taking a hit the last few years, but I don't see the death of it. But I mean, streaming is definitely, you know, you have to consider both. Um, so, you know, I'm not really sure if, if I agree with what was what was said to me is I think that especially on Saturday, which they were, I think, eight or nine spring games on that you could have still televised one at 12, two and four and had the other one streaming and been able to really utilize both of them, uh, you know, both um ways to sh to show the game because you'd have had still had plenty of them streaming and the ones on the ACC network and I'm always a big fan of live sports I think live sports should be on um you know anytime over a pre-taped program so and I think they had lacrosse on earlier the day and softball but I mean still football drives drives the bus and that would have been really a good thing from ESPN and the ACC network you know, if they would have put more of the games uh, on there. But, you know, I, I still don't agree exactly with what they did, but just to give you a little bit of background of some of the thought process, apparently, that they used. That is pretty cool that they reached out to you. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised to see one of the... Yeah, I was a little bit surprised to see a name that I recognized and kind of wrote like a couple... Uh, you know, paragraphs to me telling me what the thought process was. I was like, okay, that's fair. I, 
you know, I, I still may not 100% agree with it. I still think they should have had more games on there, but it, you know, it's it still at least says that they did think about it and and went in that direction, even if I don't necessarily agree with it. But yeah, I appreciate you know the 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 person that reached out to me on that. Definitely, definitely. Well, John, I'm going to ask you one question before we go. You ready? I'm ready. Who's winning the Stanley Cup this year, John? <laughs> you know, would I be crazy to say the Golden Knights? No, uh, you wouldn't be crazy to say that because I I didn't think the Seattle Kraken would make the playoffs in year two of their franchise, and here we are. Yeah. Dave Haxtell is the freaking man. They're good. And, and you know what? Here's the thing. You, you can't really ignore Boston as much as I would like to. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. I, I, I can tell you one thing that I, I feel minorly confident about. I think the Kraken might be able to steal a game from the Avs. Yeah, a game is certainly possible. They won't steal the series. They won't, but they won't, but I think they can steal a game. I, they have the one of the fastest teams on the ice, and if you can compete in speed with the Avs, you have a chance to pull an upset in the game. In a in a, in a game, and a, and there, I'm really impressed with uh, what 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 Dave Haxtell has done in a short time in Seattle. It's kind of it's kind of amazing to me that he has put himself. He's not going to get Coach of the Year. But he's put himself in the picture for the coach of the year, and that's pretty freaking terrific. And they've adopted hockey in Seattle, and I think it's wonderful. Yeah, hey, good for them. I mean, the NHL obviously has gone with the model with their expansion to make their teams immediately um, contenders. And, you know, we saw it with Vegas a couple years ago, and now with Seattle. You know, they've, they've obviously deliberately gone with a model so that their expansion teams aren't just going to be cannon fodder for the first few years like we've seen in other sports. So, you know, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing is debatable, but um, it certainly, I think, helps to drive immediate interest in those markets where when you can, you know, immediately put a winner on the ice in year one. I mean, all you have to do is get a hot goaltender in the Stanley Cup, John, and it's on. I mean, I, I love it. I love it. I can't wait. I can't wait for it all to start. All right, John. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight on the All Sports Discussion ACC podcast. We loved having you, having you come on, and we'd love to have you come on during the season and during hoop season. Yeah, I mean, you know, hopefully this year's hoop season will be better than last year, and, and there will be something worth talking about. All right. Well, thank you for joining us, and have a great week, guys. Take care.